This is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott, presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time to get out to the Smart Rain special guest line. It's no mystery. Utah is in an extreme drought. That is why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz, and his visit each week is brought to you by our friends at the Murdoch Auto Group. He's the one and only David Locke. What's going on, David? Hello, everybody. How are you? Everybody being Jake, Gordon, and your three listeners. <laughs> uh, I think all of us are fine. I don't want to okay, speak good. for our three and listeners. And Austin's Austin fine. Too, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm not listening. He, he's not listening, though. I knew that, so that's why I didn't include him. Uh, David, uh, you've had a few days now to kind of munch on how the season ended for the Jazz. Uh, I guess what's the biggest reason why? Oh, I think they ran into a team that was able to exploit their weaknesses in their current state at a very high level. And I, I just don't know that there was an answer. Um, and I, you know, it was disappointing. I mean, you watch the Suns and the Clippers play right now, and they're both back to playing the way that we would want to play, and we'd probably be fine. But the Clippers had just remarkable roster versatility and were able to play in a fashion that caused us in our state that we were at that point a lot of problems. And, you know, if you go back, I don't know if I it was with you guys after game two, I'd have to go back and look at the timing. But, you know, I, I kind of said after game two, at least I'm locked on jazz, but also on, on 12 eight zone on 97.5, we can't win another game that way. Like, that's not a script by which we're going to win another game. We're going to have to find a different way to win a game than we did in game two, and we just never did. Like, we just could you know, game two was a shooting outlier night. And they had started to do things to us. Some of it was the zone, but there were other aspects of what they did that night that told me that they had begun to figure us out. And they figured out how to play us without Mike Conley with a somewhat limited Donovan Mitchell, and we never figured out how to play without Mike Conley. And I know we were 16-5 and without Mike Conley in the regular season, but we weren't playing teams multiple nights in a row. And and they, they figured out a little bit. I'd say we got, you know, in, in regards to an offensive sense, I, I think if you look at the numbers, we got better and better. And maybe to some extent we did figure out how to play offensively a little bit without Mike Conley. We never figured out how to defend um, without Rudy Gobert being the centerpiece of what we were doing. And that was a season-long issue. I mean, that, if we're really honest about it and go back, it might have been the fifth game of the regular season. The Clippers exposed some of the problems with the Jazz defensively and, you know, it was kind of a season-long game of trying to see if they could come up with an answer for that and evidently never never found that answer. So, David, I know it's complicated, but uh, I know you think these things through pretty deeply. What do you do uh, in order to correct the problem or the risk of running into that again next time around? You know, I don't have a good answer yet. I think um, – you know, I think there's two different stages in this process. I think there's you got to ask all the questions. 
and you have to be honest about, and I think Dennis and Justin in the front office do a really good job of this, is you ask the questions, you do a really honest job of, of answering those questions. And then from there, you try to see if there are, if there are in fact, solutions to your questions. And, and there might not be, right? So you might not be, you may decide, oh, we need these three types of players. Well, you can't go get them. Well, you better not end up in the middle of the street, right? <laughs> you want to be on one side or the other. And uh, what I mean by that is, like, we used to be a totally defensive team. We were pretty good. We were on that side of the street. And then we made a huge quantum leap and became an offensive team. We've been great at that. Like, we better be careful that we don't, like, start to make a move or an adjustment or two and end up, like, in the middle of the street. You just get squashed in the middle of the street. And so we better, you know, if we're going to do it, we have to still keep to, you know, improve certain areas. And you also better, like, usually these types of things are multiple moves. And if you you make one and then don't make two and three, then you're in the middle of the street. So you better figure, you, you can answer all the questions, but then you better have a route to a solution before and know it before you start executing. The teams that make massive mistakes are the teams that aren't, and this is not a jazz problem, are not well enough prepared to know what they're going to do by the end of the road to be able to, you know, when you make a draft pick on the, in traditionally on the 30th of June or whatever, you've got to have a pretty good idea what's about to happen in free agency. I know that's like there's tampering in that, but you need to have a pretty good idea. And if you sign the first free agent, you've got to have a pretty good idea whether you're getting the second or the third or what you're doing. You can't be doing these as isolated moves. And so, you can ask all the questions and you can say, well, we, we clearly need more people to, who can guard the ball, right? Like, we, we could not guard the ball. They spread us out. They eliminated Rudy from the defensive play, and they, we couldn't guard the ball. Okay, we need more. Well, like, if we don't get one guy who guards the ball, it does not make any difference at all. Right? They just switch and move them, and they only have one guy. Then you just have one guy who probably can't shoot and can't, does, can, can guard the ball, but he doesn't actually guard the ball most of the time. You better, like, if you're going to do that, you better make a quantum change that makes it so that you have a majority of your guys and guard the ball and you become defensive, but then are you not as good offensively? I mean, this, these are not easy answers. So you, or you better find one of those unique few players like a Nicholas Batum, frankly, like a Marcus Morris senior who are 40% three point shooters and can seem to guard the ball interchangeably at six, eight and two twenty. I mean, Marcus Morris had a fabulous series switched on to Donovan Mitchell. That is a marvelous skill for a guy who's six, eight, two twenty, And he shot 50% from three this year. David, take us through the Mike Conley situation this off season and uh, whether uh, he does or does not end up back with the team next year. Well, it's super complicated. Um, because there are about five different layers to it. The number one layer that everyone forgets when they hold these conversations is... Does he want to return? <laughs> Thank you, Jake Scott. <laughs> like, we're going to talk about this for like three, t- two months now. We, every conversation has to start with if Mike Conley wants to return. I have no reason to believe he doesn't want to, but that's his choice, and he's made 200 million dollars of NBA salary. He might be willing to bypass some at this point. Like I'm not a big believer in bypassing $17 million because it doesn't count less. If you already have two, if you have 200, it's still $17 million, but you might decide that instead of a two year, $30 million deal, you're willing to sign a two year, $17 million deal in order to win a championship. And so is there a better situation for him 
than this one. Does he end up in Philadelphia with Joel Embiid on the backside of a Ben Simmons deal? You know, after they move Ben Simmons, um, does he end up in? You know, Brooklyn, where, I, you know, I can't imagine why, but I just threw it out there. Does he end up in the Lakers to compliment Dennis Schroeder? Does he end up with the Clippers to actually give him a point guard? You know, does he end up with Denver to, to link them through Jamal Murray and let Jamal Murray play off the ball, which is probably his natural position? Like, I don't know, but if he envisions one of those places as a better place to win a championship, then that would be the first choice. Now, I think he seemed to like it here. He's positive, though. Everybody's very noncommittal on locker clear out. So then part two of the question gets to be like, what's his price tag? What's the impact of his luxury tax? And then I think part three of the question is, well, we are definitely a continuity organization. I think there seems to be a feeling, and maybe wrongfully over time, but rightfully right now, that we have to kind of change the composition of the roster. We don't have a draft pick that we can trade until after we've selected it. We don't really have free agency money because we're a tax team, so we don't have the mid-level. We have a tax mid-level. So we only have, like, our, our levers are, and this is not saying that you should do any of these things, but these are our levers. We can trade in alphabetical order. We can trade Boyan. We can trade Clarkson. We can trade, sign and trade Mike Conley. We can trade uh, Derek Favors. Alphabetically, we can trade Royce O'Neal and we can trade, did I say uh, Joe Ingles? That's alphabetically, right? Mm-hmm. So Boyan Clarkson Conley favors O'Neal and Ingles. Those are the pieces that we can move from our chessboard to somebody else's and get a different piece back. If, again, like everything has to happen in, so we need to be investigating right now. Is there a market for Joe that we're interested in? Is there a market for Royce that we're interested in? I can't imagine we trade Royce $8 million. Is there a market for Boyan? I can't really imagine we would do that at what he brings to the table and how he's changed who we are. Is there a market for Faves? Is there a market for Clarkson? Can't really imagine we do that, but you never know, right? Like so, and if we suddenly come out that we don't have any market to make any, is there a market for Ingles? If we don't have any moves there, then maybe our only piece is a Mike Conley signing trade. And now it's not a question of whether you want to trade Mike Conley. It's whether if we're going to trade, change the composition of our roster, then the only real chip we have to do it is to Mike Conley sign and trade. Now, you don't have a lot of control on that, right? Like he gets to choose the team he wants to go to, and you have to choose a player on their roster that works for you. You don't get to say, hey, Mike, we have a sign and trade for you to Dallas because we're going to get Tim Hardaway Jr. on a on it, which is complicated because you're both free agents, so it's a bad example, but just work with me. And – so you get to go to Dallas. Mike says, you know, actually, I don't want to go to Dallas, so we're not going to do that. You know, Mike says, I want to go to Lakers, and then the Lakers, you know, then the Lakers really want him. Well, then maybe you have some leverage and say, well, we want Kyle Kuzma, and you do that, and then you have a longer, different size piece there, and you let Donovan play point guard, and you decide that that's, you know, changing the composition of your team. So I have two questions about Donovan. The first one is, have you, First one is he's awesome. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Have you gotten any kind of drift from him or from people around him what his state of mind is right now? And the second one is, is he a viable option at point guard? Is that something you might recommend? Um, so my only knowledge of his state of mind is he was in the Mets game last night. Um, I've not heard from Donovan. Um, nor has anyone. Um is let me ask you a different question. Okay. Are two six one guards viable? 
<laughs> we've been talking about that for a while, haven't we, Jake? We certainly have. So, and that's my, you know, so that's my Colleen Donovan. That seemed to be, yeah, it was number one seed this year. Seems to be viable, right? And I think arguably would have won the NBA title if they had both stayed healthy. I still, you know, I think we all think that. Um, so maybe that, so that seems viable. But it's a, it's a worthwhile discussion in a league that's, not getting smaller, and it's getting bigger and more skilled. People have got to understand that. The league, everyone's over the league's going small. No, it's not. It's going big and getting skilled. Point guards are now 6'5", and the Clippers put out four guys who are 6'8", 220. So maybe your seven-footers not can't stay on the floor as much if he's not skilled. It's getting skilled, and it's getting bigger um, and longer. So – the answer on Donovan is a year ago, our offense was much less good when Donovan was on the four point card. This year it was better, um, but it wasn't great. Like it wasn't the plus 18 that we are the rest of the time. It also might have to do with a little bit of who he played with um, and and how they played and what they did. So I'm not sure that that lineup data is completely conclusive. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you, our system – needs multiple ball handlers, not a single ball handler, um, unless we're more interested in winning the scoring title than winning games. Um, so, like, I'm, I'm, I'm pausing here, Gordon, because, like, I think Donovan ran 33% of our pick and rolls this year, and, like, Mike ran 30, and Joe ran, like, 27%. So, like, was he our primary ball handler this year? Like, do you want him running 60% of our pick and rolls? Like, what does it mean – that he's our point guard primary ball handler, I guess is what I'm trying to figure out. Well, if he is the point guard, David, uh, could you make some sort of, like you said, a sign and trade or something to get a bigger starting point guard? I mean, uh, off guard? So let, let, would... let me take a wild card for you. What happens if Lonzo Ball is our point guard? Like, what happens if I can find a 6'6 six, six point guard and then Don can play 6'1 shooting guard? Didn't you have that essentially with Ricky Rubio? Yeah, but Ricky Rubio couldn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? He couldn't. Um, oh, shoot. <laughs> that was the word. What Lonzo you know quickest, shoot last year? You want, my, you want my bad joke that's not fair? Sure. sure. You know the quickest way to get great in the Western Conference? Wow. Trade Ricky Rubio. Yeah, it seems to have happened the last few times, right? <laughs> Worked for everybody but Minnesota. But they got him back. Um, right? I mean, the Jazz traded Mike Ricky Rubio for Mike Conley and became great. And the Phoenix made, like, literally Ricky Rubio for Chris Paul and became great. So, you know, kind of being tongue-in-cheek here. But, yes, yeah, so Ricky – I mean, we were a great defensive team when we had those two, too, right? Like, we were really good. Like, yes, it, having a six – five guard or a six six or a six eight guard wing player next to Donovan Mitchell would be fabulous. Would be great. I think frankly if you want to know why some of our numbers I'd be curious to go look at our numbers of our when we in games in which we started Donovan and Joe instead of Donovan and Mike if our defensive numbers were better. That seven inches is a lot. Like, when we were playing without both Donovan and Mike, we were huge. I I don't think that's the answer necessarily, but it shouldn't be ignored. 
So, you know, had we, you know, but, but if you go get us, like, I don't think he's a viable option anymore because he's getting a little bit like Reggie Bullock's a player. I really liked good shooter, good defender, six five, six six. Delon Wright's a player. I really like six four, really long, good defender. Like Delon Wright can't shoot. Reggie Bullock can't dribble. Um, like the Clippers switch and he's irrelevant. Right. Cause he can't dribble. The Clippers would lay off and double team off Delon Wright and he's irrelevant cause he can't shoot. So like, these are hard questions because you go give up Mike Conley who can dribble drive and shoot just to get bigger and longer defensively and guard the ball better. And now you're really hurting yourself offensively. And now you're in the middle of the road. And uh, David, I think everyone's just going to go throw themselves off a cliff right now because it's well. Uh, if it was easy, everyone would win a championship. Yeah, I suppose so. And that's what we were talking I mean, about. It's really, earlier, really David. hard. Like, I mean, look, I the, mean, the Jazz uh, end up with the best record in the league, and now we're talking about changing things up. But right. they didn't look good against the Clips. So what do you do? Well, part of my belief in this league, if I was running a franchise, I don't think I'd ever get hired. But if I was like do, interviewing for a GM job, and I was, you know meeting with Ryan Smith or Joe Tsai or, you know, I certainly wouldn't get hired by these two guys because, or Steve Ballmer, because they'd ask me what my goal is. And I would tell them my goal is to get to the final four of my conference. Because to some extent from that point on, it's luck. Not always luck, but luck, luck can go your way or luck can go against you or matchups can go your way, or matchups can't. Like, I go back to the years in which the Rockets had Shane Battier, Tracy McGrady, and Yao Ming. The Lakers had Kobe and Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum. We had Mehmet Okor, Carlos Boozer, and Darren Williams. And to me, like, if we could just play the Rockets in the playoffs, we'd win, right? Because Yao Ming would have to come out to guard against Boozer or Memo and Darren kicked the crap out of Rafer Alston because they didn't have a point guard and they had the best defensive wing in the league in Shane Batty and they had nobody to guard because we played Ronnie Brewer. So he was he had nothing to do. The Rockets would beat the Lakers because Shane Batty would go guard Kobe. Yao Ming was big enough to handle Andrew Bynum and the Lakers didn't have a point guard either so the fact that Rafer Alston sucked didn't matter. Well, just to our luck, we kept getting the Lakers and we couldn't score in the Lakers because what was our problem? We were too small and Andrew Bynum would dwarf Mehmet Okor, and Lamar Odom would destroy Carlos Boozer, and Pau Gasol made Carlos Boozer look like he was 6-1, and we got – and Kobe would guard Darren. We, were, we got destroyed, right? We got totally destroyed. Ron Harper, that team was massive. So, like, if we could have played the Rockets, or if we could have played someone else and had the Rockets go beat the Lakers for us, then we would have beat the Rockets, then we would have been to the finals. But instead, we kept getting in the Lakers brackets. So to some extent, to me, if I was building a franchise, my goal would be to get into the Final Four of the West and then hope you get matchups. And we got a crappy one this year because they exposed everything wrong with us. But Phoenix, who's a better team than the Clippers right now, couldn't actually expose those things. I, I think Denver might have beat us if Jamal Murray was healthy, but Denver couldn't have exposed those things. They would have, they would have exposed, it would have been a different matchup. And Denver without Jamal Murray, if we got in that matchup, we would have won. So to some extent, I don't change an awful lot on this team because my goal would be to get back to the Final Four in the West, and I feel pretty good about that. And so the Warriors are going to trade 7-11 and 11 to get somebody really good, and they're going to be a total pain in the butt next year. 
So to back up, uh, earlier in the conversation, you said that if Donovan Mitchell and Mike Conley had been healthy, did you say you like to believe that they would win a championship, or did you say you think they would have won a championship? I'd probably say I'd like to believe, because I think the other sentence is a little disrespectful to both Phoenix and the Clippers and what they're doing. They were pretty good last night. I didn't watch last night thinking to myself, like, oh, we'd crush those teams. Yeah. Right, like Mikel Bridges hits that shot. Cameron Johnson comes off those pin downs and makes makes those plays. And DeAndre Eaton had a pretty damn good game against Rudy Gobert. I mean, he's the number one pick of the draft, and he's coming together like he's great. Like, you know, I'm watching them last night without Chris Paul, thinking, "Wow, that's that's you know, wow." Cameron Payne's their backup point guard. Like, whoa, <laughs> like, and he looked good last night. Like, and they're not like they have players on their bench. They're not playing. Um, you know, I love their roster construction of what they did. They they're not. I like our roster construction, too. I hate this era right now because you make this comment. Everyone thinks you're criticizing. We spent the most money of any team in the league on 6, 7, and 8 in the NBA. I think that's actually right. Like, it gets right down to it. Your top eight matter. That's, I actually thought this year that it might be different. I, I did a whole thing on this show probably in my podcast where I talked about it. I thought that 10, 11, that 10, 11, 12, and 13 would be more important this year than any other year. It turned out to not be true at all. Top eight matters. That's all that matters. Like, and we spent the most money on six, seven, eight of any team in the NBA. Mm. They didn't do that, so they actually have this like remarkable roster with veterans all the way through it. Frank Kaminsky didn't play last night. I don't think Langston Galloway didn't play last night. Each one more played a little because Chris Paul's hurt. Like, they have this wonderful group of players that they can kind of uh, Javon Carter didn't play last night, who they can bring in next. Cameron Payne kind of was. You know, part of that for group. It's you know, really, James Johns did a really good job of like in, instead of playing the you know, I'm going to develop a bunch of young players at the end of my roster. He's like, no, we're not. We're going to be really good, and so we'll just go take scrappy veterans, Tory Craig. And the problem with that often is that those guys don't aren't willing to buy in, and they become locker room malcontents, and they think they should play, and they don't get to play, and it doesn't work out. So to their credit, they found a way to make that work, and they got guys who are willing to do it. Well, David, as always, it's been enlightening. Thank you very much. Thank you. Talk to you soon. See you, buddy. David Locke, our good friend, uh, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. Didn't the Suns used to suck? They did. Mm-hmm. They did used to suck. They sure got good quick. Yeah, they had a good year this year. They they made some correct moves, and Chris Paul turned out to be a difference maker, certainly uh, bringing that uh, that team together. All right, let's get out of the zone phone. Joining us now is our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And, hey, Andrew, guys out there can improve their lives. They can improve their relationships, and they can stop dealing with uh, the other treatments for ED. Yes, they can. Uh, it's really interesting to see how ED is so attached to sense of self-worth, self-esteem, anxiety, and stress. When we can improve in the bedroom, uh, get those intimate moments back, it has this really cool ripple effect on a man and his significant other's lives and the relationship. That's what we do at Wasatch Medical, improve the relationship by removing ED with acoustic wave therapy gently, and you're not going to feel much. It opens up the blood vessels in this part of the body. You do a few treatments over two to three weeks. That's it. And it's been so cool to see the results. Uh, if you're out there frustrated, you're young or old, healthy or unhealthy, we've likely helped guys just like you, and uh, you really can't turn back the clock in the bedroom. 
And that's got to be the big thing, right? Turn back the clock, get the spontaneity, uh, get to back when it was normal. Back when it was normal. We've seen guys in their 60s get back to function like 40. We've seen guys in their 40s get back to function like when they were 30. So uh, this really is restoring the normal blood flow. Just think wider blood vessels, more of them. That's a great thing in this part of the body. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. Uh, Get in and see the doctor and uh, a very special deal today. Yeah, there's a huge perk today. Uh, You get the assessment and exam for free. Call us now, and if you take treatments, you get a lifetime warranty. Um, This is if you ever notice that results fade down the road, maybe a few years, whatever, uh, we'll retreat you for free. Uh, A ton of value, probably thousands of dollars in value. Give us a call now to qualify. It's all no charge. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000, Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you. More Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Show Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Join the big show coming up on Friday at the warehouse, 1825 South 300 West. Prices so low, it'll blow your mind. It's the warehouse. What do you think about the picture David painted of the jazz offseason, Gordon? It was muddied. Okay. Well, Want to I mean, elaborate? Well, I mean, on the First of all, you know, you got to look at the money situation, and that's, that makes it difficult. But on the one hand, David said, be nice to have a, a, a bigger guard line. On the other hand, he said that he liked to believe that the Jazz would have won a championship if they had their, their health with the guard, starting guards that they have. He said he'd like to believe that, and he's right. When I watch the Clippers and Suns play, I think they're really both those teams are really good. But so, I mean, wh- what is it? What do the Jazz need? Do they need a defensive stopper? Um, David said, "Don't find yourself." And, and I understand what he's saying. Like when he's talking about Bogdanovich, Bogdanovich is a fantastic shooter, terrific shooter. So what do you do? Do you trade him for someone who can play defense or someone who can play some defense and shoot the ball some but not as as well as he can, but he can play some defense? But now, as Dave, to use his uh, analogy, now, now you're kind of in the middle of the road. And he said that's where you get run over. So is, is it better to have someone who's really good at what he does than to have someone who's kind of good on both ends? Well, certainly a, a tough quandary. Plus, you have to find that player if it exists, right. and that other team has to be willing to trade that exactly. player. So, I mean, yeah. I think re-signing Mike Conley needs to be a priority because it's really the only asset that they have. Yeah, and, and you, you can't let and, him go for nothing because you can't replace him because right. the salary cap doesn't work that way. And that and that's the most punitive thing of all, right there. So you don't really have a choice in a lot of ways. Yeah. So if you don't like the small guard line, um, 
you know, <laughs> it, you might get the small guard line again. Yeah. But if, if you if you buy into what David was saying that the small guard line worked, and some unfortunate circumstance uh, led to the Jazz failure in the playoffs, uh, then that's fine with you, right? And the matchup situation, you get matched up against a certain team in the playoffs, and it can be more difficult. All of which makes me think that what the Clippers did at the end, that we were poo-pooing so much, was really a good idea. Meaning what? They finagled themselves to play the the, the, the oh, Mavericks and then saying. the Jazz because they thought those were favorable matchups. Almost blew up in their face against the Mavs, especially. But, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I I hate to leave it up to luck, but good fortune does play a role in all that. So I wonder what happens, because David's point about does Mike want to be back, that really is the more, most important thing. Because if he just wants to go somewhere else for whatever the reason, then none of this matters, and the Jazz yeah. are in a really tough spot. Mm-hmm. So Who's that, MC Hamstring? Yeah. Wow. Can't imagine a reason he'd want to get out of here. Everyone's been so nice and fair to him. We well, can't just ignore the fact that the hamstring has been a problem. You, have you to don't make have to a, call him names. You have to make a joke oh, out of it? No, no wait. You that think, was worse than Jake yeah, jinxing on, him. Hold on here. You think that me calling Mike I didn't Conley, say you. Huh? MC you said you. Hamstring is enough to chase him out of town? I wouldn't want to be anywhere near you. You call me a name like that, we're throwing. MC Hamstring. Make light of a difficult situation for him? I would never. <laughs> Except you did. <laughs> Last time you made fun of a, a, a jazz player and called him a name, gone. Who is that? Mr. Gordon the Buick Hayward. Did I call him a Buick? Uh-huh. I did, didn't I? So I wonder if Mike Conley wants to return. It'd be good for the Jazz if he did. It would be good, be for, good the jazz for you if he did. If he did, but I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, does is he the type of guy that just takes a, an exception and goes to you know a Lakers or Clippers or somewhere where he thinks he's got a really good shot at the title, a better shot than with the Jazz? That would be tempting. But I mean, the Jazz had the best record in the regular season. Is there a better opportunity out there? He's got to ask himself. I'm sure. And does he owe the Jazz a little something? They paid him the $34.5 million, and he, he wasn't really there for him when they needed him. I don't think he should look at it that way. I would doubt Well, I know he, he won't. I would doubt it. Should he look at it that way? Maybe. Why? I mean, some uh, team was willing to, to, to sign him <laughs> to that contract, and the Jazz were willing to trade for him for it. They knew what that contract was. I'm not was saying it's a difference it. maker, but maybe that's in the back of his mind somewhere. I I think that's probably pretty low on his priority list. Does he like playing here? Does he like Donovan? Does he like Quinn? Does he like the Jazz? Does he like the setup, or was that just kind of a bunch of talk? Because I mean, it's not like Mike. Con- it's not like Mike Conley is is in need of that extra five million, you know. I mean, 
I, I know it's easy to dismiss other people's earning potential. And, yeah, why would you care about that? Mike Conley's got more money than he knows what to do with. Maybe he wants to make every nickel he can. You never know. Yeah, some people are motivated. The by Jazz that. better hope that's what he wants, because that's the way. If that's the way they retain him, by paying him more, right? Well, that's why I bring up these other things. I mean, does he like it here? Does he like playing with the Jazz? Is he like Jordan Clarkson, where he wanted to come back here? Does he want to come back here? Does he think they have a chance to really make a difference? I mean, it was a terrific year until, until well, until he couldn't play. So? So is that, is that play a role in his mind? I'm sure it does. And does he feel like I owe those guys a little something more? I doubt it. Should he? No. Not a little? No. All right. Just a casualty of uh, of playing professional basketball, I guess. If you uh, hammer out a column that uh, you, you know is, is not your finest, are you refunding money to the Trib? At the most important time of the year? No. But I might I might feel obligated to do a little do a solid. You know, guys, don't pay me. Don't worry. <laughs> it wasn't my finest work. So you know, just hold my paycheck. Why do you week? gotta make it so extreme? It's not like they wouldn't pay him. I don't think he I don't think he owes the jazz a thing. All right. I'm just uh, now you hope the relationship is good and that if he wants to stay and the Jazz want to bring him back that they'd figure out a way to make it happen. But I don't think he should feel guilty about anything. Boy, I tell you, would it be tempting to go to the Lakers? No. With a healthy LeBron and AD? So he can never touch the ball again? They need a point guard. LeBron is their point guard. <laughs> Here we go. He is. <laughs> All right, stay tuned. More next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's a big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Time for 20 Seconds of Baseball, brought to you by... Peach Window and Door. For more than 25 years, Peach Window and Door has been providing superior quality windows, doors, and customer service to the Wasatch Front. Call them today, 801-566-1255 for all of your window and door needs. Jake, I wonder if uh, Austin's going to take more than 20 seconds because we talked boat racing earlier in the show. It was car racing, but uh, let's hope not. Time for 20 (laughs) seconds of baseball. Austin, go right ahead. And now it's time for 20 Seconds of Baseball with the big show's Austin Horton right here on the Zone Sports Network. The Bees are off tonight before they open a six-game homestand against Vegas tomorrow through Tuesday at Smith's Ballpark. After Max Scherzer was asked for a substance check three times last night, Nationals GM Mike Rizzo called Phillies manager Joe Girardi a con artist. And the number one prospect in baseball, Wander Franco, started at third, doubled, homered, and drove in three runs in his debut for the Tampa Bay Rays last night in St. Petersburg. (laughs) There you go. Nicely done. Are the Rays going to move, Austin? Oh, I thought they would have moved a decade ago, and they still just keep 
pounding away there. Yeah, that topic keeps uh, keeps creeping. Where up should there. they move? Anywhere they don't have to play in that dump of a whatever. <laughs> what do they call that place now? It's like surf and swim up in Layton. It's you hit the you hit the speakers up above, and that's just they just accept it. It used to be Tropicana. Is it still Tropicana? No, it's something That's, else yeah. now. It, but they even when they're really, really good, like go to a World Series good, nobody ever goes. Yep. That's right. Why is that? Uh, there's a lot of better things to do with your time than go inside in Tampa Bay and watch baseball. You think if they had a nicer uh, setup there? I think if that they were they, outdoors, there would be a lot more a lot people, people interested in going, yeah. I guess nobody goes to the Marlins either, and they have the world's greatest stadium. And it's indoors. Well, isn't it, can it indoor be outdoor? outdoor? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I wonder what city would be the most. Uh, what's the leader? A lot of people have talked about Portland and Vegas. Uh, uh, Butte, they... Montana's up there. Oh. Medicine Hat, Alberta. Medicine Hat. You ever been there? No. An incredible, interesting place. If you like nothing, I think. I think. <laughs> have you been there? Yeah. I think. What'd all... you do? Actually, there is a. We went to a Mennonite uh, village up there in Medicine Hat and learned a Mennonite, lot. Mennonite, uh, the Amish. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. Huh. Uh huh. My dad's college roommate lived there, and so we went and visited. Do oh. you remember that horrible reality show that was about the Amish mafia? No. No. Amish mafia. <laughs> I can't remember. Did what they it was make called, the fireplaces? But it was like an Amish mob kind of thing. Oh yeah, I remember. You remember that. what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I didn't watch it, but I remember hearing about it. There's a there's an Amish mob. Uh, yeah, that's what the show was all about. Doesn't that go against everything the Amish stand for? The Amish ruffians. I'm trying to, I think it was called the Amish Mafia. You can have organized crime as long as there's no electronics involved. Is that the rule? <laughs> well, they weren't exactly like they're living in the community, but they're they were faking it. You know, like like uh, the Italian mob, they were Catholics too, but not very Catholic behavior. Sure, right? so okay. it's similar, similar thing. So hypocrites, like say, all of us. Yeah, say which will I suppose, <laughs> but it, it, that was the thing. Yeah, it was uh, living in the Amish community. I'll but have not, to look this up. Not the most Amish behavior. It was, I'm almost embarrassed to say it was fairly entertaining. Did you ever watch it? No. no. Nope. Okay. Did not. Anyway, uh, on the the baseball. Go to movie, the mattresses that we made with our own straw. <laughs> <laughs> on the the baseball moving thing, I think I think most major pro sports are in a race to Vegas. I think they're all trying to get in there and get a piece of that. Why action. is that? The gambling, the the dollars that are there, hmm. and there's a lot of corporate money in Vegas too. Because Vegas itself is not really, it's not bigger than Salt Lake City. No, it? it's not. It's I mean, smaller. as far as the metropolitan area. Yeah, it's smaller than Salt Lake City. But you've got all those corporations that are all invested in the hotels and invested in the gambling. and hmm. All right. And it's been so taboo for so long. You know, they've been. Remember for a long time that yeah. people wouldn't want to go there because. Remember when the NBA All-Star game went there and everybody's like, oh, well, is this the. the first professional acknowledgement that Vegas even exists. And then all of a sudden now they've got hockey and football and I would guess that Major League Baseball and possibly the NBA aren't all that far behind. Remember when the Jazz were splitting their time between Salt Lake and That was Vegas? a long, long time ago. I don't know if I remember it, but most, I am aware yeah, of most it. Most people don't remember. In fact, that's where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar broke the scoring record. He lofted a, a shot over the late great uh, Mark Eaton, if I'm remembering correctly, but it happened in Vegas instead of here. 
All right, let's jump out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. You know, Gordon uh, right there is hearkening back, Andrew, to the good old days. Well, hey, turn back the clock in the boudoir to the good old days, right? That's right. Turn back the clock. Uh, if you're out there listening and experiencing any kind of ED, uh, mild, moderate, severe, we've helped so many guys with our technology, the acoustic wave therapy. And I talk about the blood flow a lot and how this opens up the blood vessels. Like to see guys come in, usually a little bit, I don't know if depressed is the right word, but they don't feel good about the situation. They can tell it's impacting their relationship. They go through our treatment, and that intimacy improves. The relationship gets back on track. They don't have to turn to the pill anymore, and that is a great thing for couples. Yeah, I, I would bet. And how long does this take, Andrew, the, the treatments? How, how long until you're kind of noticing the effects? The Cambridge University study said that a guy should go through about three weeks of our treatments. But every day, we hear reports of guys improving as they go. So they do a treatment, they're noticing it, and uh, that's a fun process because they're seeing more blood flow where they want it, when they want it. 801-901-8000. Call, get on the schedule, see the doctor, and another exciting promotion, too. Yes, big perk. This is the last segment of the day, and the offer ends today. That is the assessment and exam for free. And if you decide to take treatments, you get a lifetime warranty. So if you notice that results fade, even years down the road, we'll retreat you for free. A ton of value. Uh, give us a call now, and it's all no charge. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Thank you for everything today, Andrew. We appreciate you. Appreciate you having me on today, guys. Have a good one. You betcha. There you go. Our friend Andrew from Wasatch Medical Clinic, 801-901-8000. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Wrapping up the big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and uh, 1280 The Zone. Another day comes and goes. Nope. Yes. No, yes. Another day has come and gone. Why, why are you going back and forth on that? I don't know why I said no. I meant yes. So anyway, it's been fun today. We've had a good time. Yeah, fun's a lot a of word. Good, a lot of good guests. <laughs> we could throw in a wet blanket over the no, show. No, no, no. Fun's a word. It was something. Oh, jeez. All right. That's where you're going to be. No, it's fine. It was fine. I enjoyed myself, <laughs> as I often do. Every time I come home from the show, Lisa will ask me, how was the show? And what do you usually say? Well, if I say, it was fine, <laughs> she probably would think it sucked. It was fine. <laughs> and if she says, was it fun? And I said, fun's a word. Fun's a word. No, it's fun. I, I always have that. fun on the show. Yeah, we have a good time. It's a it's a fun gig, yeah. you know. Even when you're you're talking about not so fun subject matter, like how on earth are the Jazz going to make their roster better this off season? Because it's going to be it challenging. Is complicated. <laughs> <laughs> it is because but. it's not just a sense of go out and sign the best player. No. But do you think the fact that Ryan Smith seems to be pushing pretty hard, and uh, some people have brought that up that he's he's a real go getter? 
type of guy, and you know, will will that make a difference? I wonder if the fact that uh, Dwayne Wade is involved in a process will that make a difference? I don't know. You know, but those go-getter attitudes where you're constantly changing has not always been the recipe for success in NBA basketball. We're talking about a franchise here that's never won an NBA title. Right. But and they, they had the best record in the league this year and couldn't get it done. So it's not like, you know, when we talked with Chris Camrani earlier in the show, he said what you and I have said a thousand times, and that is the hardest part is getting from really good to great. Uh, not from bad to good or from good to really good. It's from really good to great. And that's that's where the Jazz are right now. They're really good. So how do they get to great? That has to be any organization that is properly oriented would, would be doing everything it possibly could to, to get to great if you're at really good. Right, which is terrific to say. But the way the, the rules are laid out, it's extremely difficult yeah, to I do. I didn't say it was easy. Because you can't just wish it into happening. Well, as I, as I told Kevin O'Connor once, it's not my job. You know, it's, it's somebody else's job to get it done. And that's the, the Jazz, they know this. I know there's smart people running that, that, uh, that team over there. And they're... they're Looking at every possibility. And sometimes the possibilities that are out there aren't terrific and right. aren't going to get you to where you want to go. And if they don't, you don't want to get worse, right? Which has happened to many franchises yeah, over has. the years who have made moves just for the sake of making moves. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah, it, so I would, I, I would, you know, Jake, you know how I would finish the show today? By thinking Big O Tires? Stole my line, man. Is that really what yes. you were going to say? I was going to say with a big O. Oh, <laughs> dang it. I, I stepped on you. My bad. That's all right. <laughs> Do it again. Uh, big thanks to Big O Tires, uh, title sponsor of the Big Show. Big O knows tires and auto repair can be un- an unexpected expense. That's why they offer no credit needed financing. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Gordon, enjoy your evening, buddy. You I'll too, see you tomorrow. Jake. Yeah, okay. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.